Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 2. I'm afraid not. The book, Mall Lockdown. The year, 2014. Chapters 5 through 9. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. Before we get started today, we do have an ad that's going to be on Expounded Universe. This almost never happens, but it's just a little audio track that I need to play for all of you, so I'm going to go ahead and get it started, and here we go. Let's get jacked. It is another perfect day in Rombly Tower, the home of CompuGlobe Corporation and the Church of Execution, a.k.a. the Church of EXE. One of us has to keep it together in this stupid city, and it's gonna be me. Uh, that's just a hiccup in the great program. If you want to get to the fight, we can just get to the fight. You know, I was I was thinking about uh, getting to the fight. Four solos that I can see, armed, armed to the goddamn teeth. Kid, this is not good. When I signed an old school gutter guitar style trio, everyone thought I was crazy. They were like, gutter guitar's dead. And I was like, no, 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 my friends. <laughs> Nostalgia. Nostalgia is alive. Our father, who art a computer. If there's stacks of cash, stuff that looks like it's made out of gold, stuff I can just carry real fast as I run towards the helicopter. Keep your goddamn heads down. Jacked, a cyberpunk RPG podcast. Listen now at jackedpodcast.com. Okay, cool. Make sure to check out jackedpodcast.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get to the real show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe. You know what the show is, it's the one where we read Star Wars books and we talk about them, and we take forever doing it, because Star Wars books are still surprisingly expensive. Surprise! And I'm Jeff. Surprise! <laughs> I hope the people that were buy- uh, are seeing money from us buying these books still, I would hate to think that Joe, do you think we should just like mail Joe Schreiber a check for $7? I mean, at this point, we're like, look, we've read two of your books, here's a, yeah, and- here's a bucket. <laughs> He's made us a bunch of money, so I, I feel like we probably owe him about about seven dollars. About seven of dollars. I'm sure that'd be an interesting moment for him to be like, "Oh, it's those assholes who ripped into my." F- Actually, didn't we like his first book? Yeah, that we read. Yeah, That's so the thing is, Schreiber's one of yeah. the few people I'd actually be willing to give a couple dollars to because he has given me a Star Wars book that I didn't hate. Yeah, no, I want him to have some walking around seven dollars <laughs> here. Go write a Star Wars. <laughs> Go get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. I know everyone gives a shit about chicken sandwiches right now. Yeah, you try that Carl's Jr. chicken sandwich or Jack in the Box? Different? Hasn't Carl's Jr. had a fucking fried chicken sandwich for forever? Oh, yeah. Uh, Did something change? No, there's one in, uh, I think it's actually Jack in the Box. They're like, here's our new like competitive chicken sandwich. Which all that means oh. is they put pickles on it and 
they uh, put it on like an actual nice bun, and that's about it. Yeah, no, they they, they have to put them on a like. I, I guess the idea is to is to break Chick Fil A is basically what's supposed to be happening right now. Well, it's Popeye put out their chicken sandwich, which went absolutely virally nuts, and so everyone yeah. else was like, "Well, now we have to have a dumb chicken sandwich." Right, and and the Popeyes one was supposed to be a Chick Fil A killer, like because Chick Fil A has always been the main one where you used to go to get the your your uh, chicken sandwich that's surprisingly wet for some reason <laughs> on bri- on brioche with pickles and mayonnaise, and it comes with with uh, hate for gay people, and it's like six dollars. Yeah, but now you Popeyes can get something like, like that from everywhere, from anywhere, and it costs like five fifty. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I was just reading, uh, this is the reason it's in my head, is because I was reading some AV Club article, which is what I'm always doing, and it was about how there's a, now a Boston market attempt to, to compete in the same air, uh, market. Lol, get out of here, Boston market, no one likes you. No one likes your style, Boston market. I mean, it, you, they used to be relevant back when you could get a rotisserie chicken from nowhere, That then it was like, okay, yeah, that's where you go to get a rotisserie chicken, but now they're like $5 in a, in a Costco. Oh, yeah, because it's just no the... Need- Oh, uh, we had leftover chicken that would go bad, so I guess we'll just rotisserie this shit and then sell it. Yeah, where where uh, Boston Market, their whole deal was like, we will sell you an eleven dollar chicken, and I think that 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 has started to kill them, and so they're trying to come back with other things. Yeah, well, just the other night, I was uh, fucking Florence and I ordered uh, food from someplace called the Rotisserie Chicken. Huh? And we were like, sweet, let's get some sandwiches. It was fucking Boston Market. They were just lying about their name. What a bunch of bullshit. Like, I knew that that kind of shit happened. Like, okay, I know we're off on a wild tangent, and I apologize. (laughs) I understand that Chuck E. Cheese (laughs) will occasionally lie about who they are. Yeah, that's the other one. Chuck E. Cheese, because no one's going to order takeout from a fucking Chuck E. Cheese, uh, goes by, uh, on, like, DoorDash and shit, goes by the name Pasquale's Pizza. Yeah. Uh, But apparently, there, and I know that there's the uh, the Pizza Hut Wingstop thing, I, I... I don't know what the point of that is exactly. If it's somehow some kind of business decision to make extra money, or if it's just that they want wings in their name so that high people who are searching for them, just searching by wings, have a better chance of finding them. Possibly. I think that might be a solid chance of why that exists. Uh, Pasquale's, though, is just a dirty lie. Oh, yeah. If you want some pizza that was cooked by being left on a skee-ball table for three hours, then yes, then go to Pasquale's Pizza. Obviously, I do. It was made by an animatronic rat. Same. And it tastes like an animatronic rat. Same. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, now I know that Boston Market is also getting to the bi- into the business of lying to us dramatically in an attempt to sell us their crappy chicken. Fuck you, Boston Market. Ah. Uh. I think that's been the core point of this entire episode to this point. And since I'm cutting off the episode now, I think it'll be the thesis statement. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> all right but seriously we did read mall lockdown yeah 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 i uh i was very glad to see that we are still introducing some new people in here uh, oh yeah the fact that it's like oh we're doing a, a prison thing and we get to like jump around to see some inmates and what they're all about and what their story is i'm like no oh, that's that's fun that's nice yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, ultimately, this book is already feeling exceptionally similar to the zombie book that we read, uh, because 
what we're doing is introducing a bunch of characters who have their own minor agendas, and you know that we're going to be constantly reading little tiny chapters about them, pushing for their agendas, and probably brutally dying at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first chapter that we get into here is, last time Maul saw a burly dad and his son sitting at some table, and now we get to figure out what's going on with those two, and you're like, oh man, this... This dad is not long for this world. Yeah, this dad's got an unfortunate situation, and there is he is definitely on his way out. I mean, but even that, even the chapter is even called "Knockout Mouse," which is a uh, an in prison joke that they have. Yeah, I mean, even if he wasn't like, oh man, I'm on my last legs. You know, he's on his way out because he's a protective dad with a young, eager to fight kid. Of course, he's going to die. Yeah, he's like two days from retirement. His shit is his guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he is named Artigan Truax. Oh, Artigan. And Artigan Truax has his 16-year-old son, uh, was it Eogan? Uh, I mean, it depends Eogan. on if, if we're doing like Irish pronunciation, then it would be like Owen or Ewan. But, uh, oh, do I, we want to do that? I, hmm. That's the thing is <laughs> I don't know if he was like, Oh, yes, obviously I want to do an old Irish spelling of Owen, or if he just fucked up, meant Ogan or whatever, and didn't realize this was a name that existed. Okay, so it's, it's. I mean, there's a G in there, so I'm not, I'm used to seeing names like, you know, E-O, E-O-N or whatever out of out of old Gaelic and Irish that, that are pronounced like Owen, but there's a G sticking, sticking out in there, so. Oh, yeah, uh, I that's the old like the old gaelic spelling is with just the g the newer one would be a gh ah okay yeah i, I saw yeah okay but then how do you pronounce artigan or whatever in in uh, irish uh artigan i don't know mad <laughs> artigan it's probably mad artigan yeah yeah and, and yeah not only is it's not only is eogan or owen probably an early uh, an irish name it's like a real one like there are famous people named this yes so who knows? I guess we I guess we can call him Owen then. Yeah, I mean that's what I was sort of doing in my head. I was like, eh, it's easier for me to say that in my brain than Eogan. Uh, Eogan doesn't really roll off the tongue as well as Owen does. Yeah. All right, so we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> and Truax, of course, is a classic Irish name. Classic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Solid Damn, good so stock. Truax. <laughs> I was wondering would you drop into the accent. <laughs> I figured if I just meant I mentioned Ireland enough, you'd eventually start doing it. <laughs> just be like, hey, John, what's your opinion on the Blarney Stone? <laughs> hey, John, I've got all the spare faith. What would it pair well with? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How's your Bagora? <laughs> You know, I really should look up what Bagora means, if anything. <laughs> I think it's uh, I... it's the Irish version of Gabagool. <laughs> oh, it means by God. <laughs> okay, so uh, the, it just means faith and Bagora just means like by golly. But really, it just means faith and by God. Okay, I get it now. Thank you, Google. You're so helpful. Thanks, Google. You help me in times of trouble. Like when I don't know what Bagora means and I'm 41 and I still haven't just figured that shit out on my own time. Huh? And I have to do it in the middle of my job. Uh, 
So Artigan is worried about his child because Owen is a dumb motherfucker. So yeah, Owen is 16 and he grew up from more or less the age of like, I think it was either 7 or 11, right here in this very prison. Uh, well, his father, he grew up with his dad doing fights like pit fighting around. I don't oh, think no, I was they've say, been here for all that long. Well, he's uh, his father's been here long enough to have five fights. Yep. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I have no idea exactly when they got in here. Uh, maybe it's oh, almost a year. There you go. Yeah. So they've been here almost a year. But uh, Owen's been watching his dad fight for his whole life. So we've got a little Matthew Murdoch on our hands, except without cool radioactive eye goo. Radioactive um, spider goo. <laughs> so. His dad's been a, a, a pit fighter and a, and a stumble bum all his life who got picked up and forced into this arena on some trumped up charge that really just was like, hey, we need an extra fighter in our arena. Yeah. It's weird that they would also take the kid. They're like, all right, we're picking up a bunch of people and dropping them in here. Here's a fighter that we can, you know, get a few good fights out of before he, you know, peters out. Eventually. Let's take yeah. this 15 year old, too. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get part of part of me is confused as to the prison's makeup so far, and I'm sure we'll discover more about this. Do they is it a regular ass prison? Are there people in here who are in here for crimes that aren't you are good at fighting and too good at fighting to not be in our prison? Or is it literally just this is fight prison and we grab you and put you in fight prison if you're good at fighting? I think it's a. I mean, obviously not a regular prison, but I think it is essentially a prison that you can put people in where they won't ask questions. So like mm -hmm. if you want to just round up some people and be like, yeah, here's uh, here's some lawbreakers. Do you want them in your prison? They go, yeah, of course we want fodder for our fights. I would love to know what Owen is in prison for. Uh, like, like what did he do by the age of 15 where they were like life and fight prison, <laughs> aiding and abetting a guy. Uh, but yeah, he's, he thinks he's going to be a fighter like his dad, but his dad is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a very serious business fighter and knows his son has no stees. Oh, yeah. The son has like a complex where he's like, oh, yeah, I fucking I love the champ and I, I love the idea of fighting because I've watched my dad all this time and I'm I'm training and I'm eating like my Flintstones vitamins and drinking milk. And hey, dad, am I going to be a champ one day? And his dad has to lie and be like, yeah, sure, son. But he's like, no, this kid is definitely fucked. No, this kid's going to die in his first fight. And I have to I have to fight all the time so that he doesn't fight. I don't know how that works exactly. Uh, we know that the dad in, in the year that he's been here has fought five times and he easily won his first three and then started almost losing. Yeah, the you know, he's been a professional fighter, so. The first ones, he's at least been able to, like, hack it. But the later, the later ones, like four and five, he has barely pulled off. And he yeah, he knows at this died. point, like, I'm getting ridiculous migraines. I've concussed myself to the point of being useless. Like, if I go into another fight, I can barely keep my hands from shaking. I will die in the next one. <laughs> Yeah. So we don't hear anything about his first three fights. We hear that he got uh, fucked up by the tusks of a species called the Kalish. 
in the uh, in his fourth fight that 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 nearly killed him in and of itself. Uh, Kalish are not a common. I, I don't know that much about them at all. I I know that there's one of them that can join you in the Star Wars MMO, like the the second Star Wars MMO. Okay. And I think that that Grievous was originally a Kalish before he got turned into a full on droid. Hmm. I don't. I, I'm not sure that's an official thing. Um, but. It's a rumor because the only other Kalish you ever see are always wear like a bone, a Q-bone looking fucking mask uh, that looks very similar to Darth Maul's faceplate. Yeah. I mean, given that uh, it's the Sith Inquisitor that gets the Kalish, I am very familiar with that. But uh, yeah, I guess without the faceplate, they just have... It's not like they've got tusks, like super big stab you ones they've just kind no, of got, got little like maybe two inch ones coming out the bottom of their chin yeah they got little chin danglers they're uh they're adorable little tusks if anything yeah the fact that he was like oh yeah and then i got stabbed in the lung by the tusks of a kalish i was like how did you manage that i've always wondered based on the couple of kalish that you can recruit in the mmo if that thing is a hat or their face ah like, can it come off? Do they do they have a regular face under there? I don't know. They might be Q-bones where they, like, yeah, I know technically the Q-bone, it is a mask, and it's like the mask of their dead mom or something. Oh, yeah. No, it is definitely a mask. Like, they have a, oh, okay. like, kind of a, a smush face under there, like a non-scarred up Yuzhan Vong. Oh, yeah. You know what? I am just now Googling them and seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, they got they got kind of like a like a tusky batty face thing going on. All yep. right, I'm up to speed now. Yep. So anyway, uh, that one nearly kills him, and then when when he has to go into his next fight, it's against a big Klatuinian who just punches his lights out right away and damn near kills him. Oh yeah, and they mentioned that he only manages to survive by like turning the guy's axe around and getting it like lodged in the other dude's head, and I keep thinking. Mm-hmm. Where are these weapons coming from? Like, they let the fucking Yuzhan Vong guy have an amphistaff. This dude's got a battle axe for some reason. What? What is going on here? Yeah, you gotta wonder, do they... I mean, we, we're gonna find out as we're making our way through the chapters that we read today that, yeah, they don't give a fuck if people in the, in the prison have weapons and murder each other. They don't fucking care. The uh, You'd think... I, I was very surprised, and that'll happen, in, I think, in the next chapter, even... Uh, they, they discover, uh, and I don't care if we're in sequence or not either. Uh, they, there's a scene of some of the uh, gangers murdering another ganger with bone weapons and then stripping him for bones to make weapons. And they're like, oh yeah, that's just shit that happens. Who cares? No one gives a fuck. Everyone's got weapons. And I'm like, but wouldn't that mess with your weird fight algorithm thing? If all the prisoners are constantly murdering each other, like on the side. Yeah. The thing for me is I keep looking at it going. Like, I understand if someone was like, oh, he's got like a little bone shiv in this fight or something. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But when it's like, this dude has an axe. I'm like, where? How did you get that? Like, you you could not have been allowed to have it in. And they even say in the next chapter when we see all that, they're like, oh, yeah, guards will do a sweep every like month or so to go get rid of everyone's stockpile of bullshit. But I'm like. Mm-hmm. But where, where was the axe? How did like, uh, I, I'm just? I, I'm very hung up on this axe thing. 
No, I get you, because the Amphistaff was a whole fucking thing, too. And you got to wonder if that's the case. How come they aren't just letting Darth Maul have a stick? Like, I get he can't have a lightsaber because he's, you know, incognito or whatever. But just let him have a big stack or a stick. Yeah, just be like, here's a staff. Here you go. You can whack a dude with this. But no. Yeah. Uh, in, any, in any event, the dad, he's just going through his little routine of discussing his life and how it's really hard. And he has to keep his dumbass son alive. And how now everyone knows now that if he has to go fight again, it'll probably kill him. So now is when he has to put his plans in motion. And so that's what we're seeing here as he uh, goes to a hidden location and approaches a guard. And we've met this guard already. It's Voistock. Yeah, Voistock, the guard that uh, was trying to be a hard ass to Maul when he came in. It was like, yeah, I'm fuck murder, you boy. And he's like, shut up. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's got the exact same routine here against this guy. Uh, so he's like, now you said you had 30,000 credits for me. And Artigax is like, I have a piece of string. Here you go. Here's loose string. Of- <laughs> Here's great string. And, and what for, I was kind of hoping that Artigax was bad en- badass enough to just kill him with loose string. But no, the gimmick is that he's tied a code in knots into the string. Oh, yeah. As soon as they were like, oh, he got a thin stretch of polymer filament string i was like wait a minute is this gonna be like a garrote what's going on here oh no yeah he just has a not secret language yeah he's got talking string effectively this is a this is a real world thing as well uh the distance and uh, between the knots and the type of knots makes up a cipher that can be decoded by people who have been trained in that language and uh, as artigax tells the guard most droids will know this particular one yeah And it's interesting to me because he almost completely loses the ability to do anything here because he just hands the string over without saying like, hey, this is a cipher built into this string. It'll give you the code to get some credits. He's just like, oh, you wanted 30,000 credits? Well, here's string and says nothing. (laughs) And you're like, obviously the guard's going to go. What are you high? All right, I'm leaving. If you talk to me again, I will kill you. I mean, ultimately, the fact that the guards don't get in trouble for killing prisoners, like even a little bit, uh, more or less makes it so that you really can't bargain with the guards. Yeah. Like you, you think you'd be able to, like in most prisons, yeah, you can bargain with the guards because ultimately, uh, if you if you fuck up enough that you get in trouble, you can get them in trouble too. So there's kind of a a tension running, but here it's just like every guard knows everyone's code. And if they punch their code into a box, they carry with them. That prisoner instantly dies and no one asks any questions about it. Oh yeah. Like Voistock says in this chapter, he's just like, yeah, you know, maybe at best they will ask me, Hey, why did you do that? And if I say, Oh, I needed to, then that will be the end of it. But honestly, most of the time, they won't even ask if I murder someone. You're like, oh, okay, I guess it's just fucking who cares? It's murder prison. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, how? what bargaining chip does anyone have that these guards would care about? The moment you hand them anything, they're just going to murder you and go do the thing. Oh, yeah. I was like, if you hand this guard 30,000 credits and go, and now I want you to do something, there is zero incentive for them to not just go, Oh, thanks. And you're dead. Yeah, exactly. And your kid, too. Why not? Let's clean up all the mess. But here's the deal. 
After a lot of back and forth between these two, it's established that Artigax is trading his retirement uh, nest egg for this guard uh, to provide him assistance in escaping. Because as he even tells the guard directly, my son cannot fight. And if he ever is forced to fight, he will die immediately. He can't be in here. Oh, yeah. He's like, even with the training and, you know, the muscle mass that he has, he could be a decent fighter, but he has no killer instinct. So when it comes down to an actual life or death match, he is not going to be able to pull the trigger and whoever else is in the cage with him will. Yeah, yeah. So um, what he he gives this guy a piece of string that's like, hey, this knot, if you take it to a, a droid, the droid can read it into a code and also a bank account. That bank account has 30,000 credits. It's all yours. I just need you to help me with this. And of course, the guard... Boy, does this book really fill in a lot of the uh, the guards are mean stuff, because he's like, I'll show you how I could just kill your son. Oh, whoops, I got off by one digit, and I killed that random walrus man or vulpistine or whatever species was standing right next to you. Yeah, but just remember, I've, I hold all the power here. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. We have We have one of our first plans in motion. This guy wants out. Also, by the way, just because I thought it was kind of neat, it does mention the fighting style that uh, Artigan uses in combat, even though, obviously, he can't fight anymore. We learn that he's completely, like, wrecked. He has, like, night seizures and is dizzy and, and jittery now. Yep. Um, but the, the martial art he had been using was called the 52 Fists. Hell yeah. 52 Fist Pickup. <laughs> yeah. 52 Fists in a year. <laughs> <laughs> How do you measure okay. the life in a year in fight prison? <laughs> 526,600 fists. Is that the right number? 525,600 fists. 600 minutes. Yeah, okay, all right. I had it right. Okay, we're fine. Rent sucks, but, you know, just in case people wanted the joke. Yeah. It's 525,000 okay. uh, punchings so dear. <laughs> Very good. Now do any other song for me. <laughs> now anything else. Uh, something about lighting my candle. Yeah, uh, something about how people don't understand how important your art is. Some <laughs> Something, something, uh, this is bad something. <laughs> we shouldn't have to pay rent, and that is actually the thesis of this movie. <laughs> the song. Anyway. Or, sorry, it, I guess it's more of a musical. I mean, there's a movie, technically, yes. in, like on paper. Okay, uh... <laughs> Let's move on. It's time to visit him with uh, the warden, Siddiqui Bleer. Yeah, Siddiqui is hanging out with Vesto Slifer, the uh, banking auditor mm-hmm. guy that showed up. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, she's giving him the tour. Yeah, he's basically just like, ooh, you know, I, I've been around and we have plenty of gambling establishments and, you know, card halls and dice places and horse races and whatnot and you are literally the only one of these gambling establishments that we have where you have never had a bad fiscal quarter ever yeah they're just perfect they're the best gambling establishment for the house there has ever been yeah they're like you know we just sort of want to know what's going on here are you cooking books or you know do you have some super secret method we are here to just investigate why you are as good at this shit as you are 
Yeah. And uh, <laughs> personally, I also find it kind of weird that they're like, oh, yeah, our house always wins. We, we make a ton of money all the time forever. And I'm like, why would people gamble there then? Yeah, it's weird I guess it- <laughs> because the the chapter we meet Sadiki's brother, who is mm-hmm. a mute math whiz who has come up with mm-hmm. an algorithm that is, OK, I can match, you know, two prisoners and it takes into account, you know, all of their background, how they are currently doing within the prison. You know, have they gained weight or is their heart rate different and how have they fared in different matches? And it takes all of this huge amount of information and essentially boils it down to here's a fight and I know exactly who's going to win. And Mm -hmm. it feels to me, given that the last time we talked to the warden, uh, she said that all of this information was publicly available. How does the house make any money if they tell everyone who exactly is going to win every time? And if they don't, then like, that is cooking the books then yeah they're presenting fixed fights i mean they aren't fixing them uh, they are fixing them because they're arranging them in the first place yeah they're arranging fights that they know how it's going to go down and then i'm not sure if that's what they're trying to say so much as that they're trying to say that oh this guy this weirdo who hasn't talked in 10 years uh developed an algorithm that will automatically generate the most interesting fight twice a day yeah, but even then, I'm like, uh, okay, but if you put out the odds, and the odds are always correct, then anyone betting against the odds will lose, and anyone betting the, like, good odds will win, generally speaking, because the fact that Maul beat the odds was a huge deal. Uh, yes, it, it, it's which is weird, though, because Siddiqui is not even slightly surprised when it happens. She watches. She's just like, oh, neat. That's cool. That's going to change the algorithm significantly. But she's not like upset about it. Yeah, I just don't understand how they are making money with this because this prison has been around for like a while. And you would think this, that after yeah. a bit, you'd go, oh, uh, always bet on whatever the best odds are. Like, never go for the underdog, period, ever. It never happens. And then they would never make money. Yeah, I'm still unsure exactly what is happening with the algorithm. Like, we've been told that it's the perfect algorithm. Oh, God, is it ever the best algorithm ever? And not only is it the best algorithm, but it's the... It it existed before the prison. The uh, the prison was based on the algorithm. Yeah, the... uh, The the, the brother invented... uh, Was a a math whiz before this and invented an algorithm that's would be perfect if only there was a gladiatorial fight prison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there was. Hmm. <laughs> but I'm still not sure what it does. I don't know if it produces a fight where the outcome is, is a sure thing or if it produ- just produces the best fight. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's weird because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, if we want to make money, we have to know who's going to win. 100% of the time. And I'm like, yeah, I guess if you're betting on your own fight, but then I mean, I, I, what bookie is going to take the warden of the prison's money and be like, ah, yes, obviously <laughs> this will be a good faith gamble. Yeah, I mean, the best I can figure, the only thing that would make any sense is that it produces the most interesting possible fights and the house always takes por- a, a cut of the pot. I guess. And the, the 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 thing that they're the best at is drill is drumming up really interesting fights that generate really big pots to take big cuts of all the time. I don't know. 
I'm because otherwise the only thing that would make any sense. The problem is they're not a casino. They don't have any in-house games where they have to have a bank of their own money. They are a they are a fight company where there's where there's going to be betting pools on the sides. Yeah, and like, I guess they make money broadcasting it because yeah. they're the only one who has the actual you know stream for it. But I still mm-hmm. don't understand. Like, is that where all your money comes from? Is it just? you're the one providing the stream because then you're not really a gambling establishment. You're just, you know, a venue. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, it's all very confusing, very confusing indeed, but whatever. Uh, But we also, in this chapter, we get, we establish a couple of things. We establish the whole thing about how the, the bone Kings actually use bones as weapons. And when they kill a guy, they debone that guy to turn his bones into weapons. Yeah. And of course Uh, this is all shown (laughs) to our uh slifer guy because the warden's just like oh you're completely one of those like oh push up my glasses nothing affects me and she's like all right come with me let me show you some dudes debone another human and he's like oh my <laughs> yeah but you know even then he's still just like hey hey come on now no one's accusing you of anything i'm just here to see how this whole thing works and i'm your biggest fan <laughs> you know and then we get to, we we get uh, we get Sadiki the uh, title of the chapter. We get her to say that you know this whole thing runs on blood. It's an ancient Rattataki saying where th- things run on blood, and that's that's how this works. Because because we're a crucible. <laughs> oh, the Rattataki. They're the they're the gray ones with the with the face stripes, right? They're they're not ricottons. Rata- yeah, no. they're bald and they have face stripes, and it, they're 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 mean and shitty, and they make really good mercenaries and so on. But they're not ricottons; they're ratataki. Exactly. Okay, just making sure. And then also we see the secret algorithm computer room. Oh, not yet. Uh, which that's that's in uh, two chapters. That's, oh, that's in two chapters. In this chapter, we just watched the fight. Okay. And then I guess it's a good time as any to jump to the next chapter where we watch Darth Maul just start a fight. Well, I do. But not for him. I do want to mention that at least Slifer mentions a few things where he's like, hey, so unless they're fighting, you just let these inmates fucking run around and do whatever they want. They're completely free. Are you not worried that they have nothing better to do with their free time than study all of your security measures and come up with ways to get the fuck out of here yeah she is genuinely unconcerned about that because of the heart bombs oh yeah she's like oh you know we have cameras everywhere we've got all sorts of like nonsense around the prison to keep people from leaving but even if someone did start to get away we could just be boop 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 and that guy's dead it makes me wonder if what uh, this book isn't going to hinge at least a little bit on unwillingness to use the heart bombs in situations where it's a big draw oh i don't think so like if they if it came down to it would they go ahead and kill strabo or whatever like i think he's the leader of bone or gravity massive or the guy whose name i can't remember at all who's in charge of the bone case bone nail uh, <laughs> bone nail okay the, those guys are important they probably fight good and are good to watch fight and i wonder if they're like yeah we can't kill that one Maybe if we kill a bunch of his friends, he won't try to escape. I mean, I assume if anyone was like, we're attempting to escape, it doesn't matter who the fuck you are, you die. I guess that, that that's fair. But yeah, we, we learned that she has extreme hubris on this one point. 
She don't care if they try to escape, because if they do, she'll just blow their hearts up. Oh, yeah. She's like, our prison is ridiculously impenetrable. You can't get out of it. There's no way to escape. And even if you could, we could blow you up. So what do I give a shit? I have no worries. What could go wrong? Yeah. (laughs) Why, this ship is unsinkable. Almost nothing. And, you know, b- by the end of this episode, we're going to be talking about Maul hiding in rafters and in crawl spaces and shit and pulling guards up to interrogate them. And they still know he's doing it. Ah. So, so yeah, I think that she's talking a fairly good game because uh, she has him on camera the whole time, even when he's hiding in like a crawl space. Yep. Uh, so pretty good for her. Like she's, she's definitely got some, uh, some skill to back up her, her game. Uh, but yeah, now it's time for Darth Maul, and unfortunately, I feel like Maul, out of so far, is being served the least out of the characters of these books because he's just doing shit that D and D characters would try. Well, the thing with Maul, because here for me is that he's a character that, especially if all you knew was the prequels, and yeah. you didn't know any of the like Clone Wars nonsense or anything like that, you'd be like, "Oh, what's this dude? He doesn't really talk. He's just sort of." a badass murder machine. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that you would do with a character like that is like, okay, he goes to prison and I guess, I guess he's a a badass murder machine. Like he's shit up. He's going to be the hardest one to write for. In my opinion, the fact that they centered a book around him when we started this, I'm like, man, how do you even do that? Well, I mean, part of it is that this guy Schreiber doesn't just know the prequel. Like, he's had to have seen the Clone Wars episodes with Darth Maul and read some other comics about him and so on, and knows that Maul is an angry dude, but he can talk and is thoughtful and intelligent. Uh, He just doesn't talk unless he needs to, and he definitely doesn't speak when his master otherwise doesn't command it. Uh, So he knows that Maul can talk and plan and shit. But yeah, here in this chapter, all he's going to do is basically go to the leaders of two gangs and be like, they said you look like dorks to try and start a fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a three-page chapter where Maul just kind of thinks to himself, he's like, all right, well, you know, I gotta take care of some shit. I know where or what ventilation conduit this uh, zero that I want to meet is going to apparently frequent, but I know mm-hmm. nothing else, really. So, uh... My plan is to make the two biggest gangs in here beat the shit out of each other there. In that ventilation conduit to see if it flushes anything interesting out. He's got like a whole plan within a plan going on here. We get a little bit of his backstory as he's stalking around. And he's like, you know, it's it's just Sidious telling him to do stuff and what it's going to be like for him in the prison. Oh, yeah. He's just like, well, you're you're not going to have any any way out. You've got to rely on your your skills and. And your background, and you'll have to murder and be witty and cutting and survive. Let me give you, a, let me give you a piece of advice, Molly. You're gonna want to find the biggest guy in the prison and suck him off. I, oh, <laughs> just fucking with you. You're gonna want to like take his finger off or something. You just <laughs> see if they've got a theater program. Join that. <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> the gravity massive. Uh, the one led by Anogri. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes up to first, and he's just like, "Hey, uh, the Bone Kings want a meeting with you. Uh, they yeah. they want you to meet in Ventilation Conduit Eleven AZR, and uh, 
that's it. I don't Stray know Bo. anything else. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, because they try to interrogate him. Stravo, the Nogri's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm fucking nobody, man. I just told you what I know. Look, I just had a message and, and as- I delivered it. Yeah, and then as he's walking away from them, he gets accosted by Bone Nail from the other group, who's like, Bone Nail is ready <laughs> to hear what you were saying to that guy. Oh, yeah, because he's like, hey, and- why were you talking to Gravity Massive, huh? Huh, what's going on? What the fuck? I thought you were going to join our formal. We've got a lot to offer as a cool gang. Uh, uh. Uh, and he's just like, oh, I was just talking to them. They told me they want a meeting with you. And you would better bring weapons because they want to fight you. Yeah, they want to rumble. <laughs> they want to get together and rumble. And you better watch out for Officer Krupke. <laughs> How's your finger snaps, bone nail? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. You better it's, bring your... <laughs> it's nail head. I was wrong, not bone oh, nail. okay. <laughs> I guess bone nail is not ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's taser face. <laughs> I was on the wrong side of history this time, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So basically, he just rolls a persuasion check to or deception check to fool these two gangs into thinking they need to rumble. Yeah, and then uh, he go and then he heads on. I, I don't. Even, I think this that's more or less the whole chapter. Yeah, that's that's it. It's a three page chapter. Yeah. Then we get to actually yeah. meet the brother and figure out what's going on with the whole algorithm and ma- matching up prisoners thing. Yeah, because the last sentence of the previous Warden chapter was like, but I need to see how all this works. How? What is the algorithm doing? How are you doing this? And she's like, ah, walk with me. Come, and see my weird get, brother. Yeah, and then that's when they get to Weird Brother Room. He's got a special, super important, hyper-lockdown, soundless chamber for recording podcasts in uh, that it, it like eats all the ambient sound. They've, they've got carefully set up sound baffles everywhere so the room is 100% dead silent. It's weird to me because when they talk about it going in there, it's like, oh, they had, like, sound dampening foam on the walls and ceiling and there's no noise. He opened his mouth to speak and nothing came out. I'm like, that's not how that works. (laughs) Like, No, and plus they can talk in the room. They continue to talk in the room after that point. Oh, no, they had uh, to change the way that the thing was set Uh, up in order to talk. Until they so change just... the angles of the foam, oh, sound was just completely stripped. Okay, that makes it a way cooler room, to, to say the very least. I mean, it is, but also foam doesn't work like that. Well, I mean, it's space foam. You don't know how space foam works. Quit acting like you do. Well, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, if... You put these wedges at alternate 90 degree angles out of phase with each other. The pyramidical absorbers simulate a continuous change in the dialectic constant. What? And finally, Steely Dan is going to sound real good. (laughs) By the way, it's $35,000 and it comes with these rocks. Put these rocks in your room. Gold plated cables. Finally, you'll be able to hear Steely Dan the way they intended. You'll be able to hear so much Steely Dan. You'll be able to hear the drummer of Steely Dan going. (laughs) Put on Bodhisattva and you'll hear a different Steely Dan song as well. And I can't name one because I don't really like Steely Dan that much. (laughs) 
I only uh, know Bodhisattva because it was in Rock Band 3. Lol. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah, they, they have a room that can turn off sound. And that's where her brother lives because her brother loves math so much that he finds everything else in the world a distraction, including sa- a, a regular sound. He thinks math is, is the only true music and that voices are awful by comparison to math. Oh, yeah. He hasn't spoken a word in 10 years because he's like, oh, math is such a pure language that the grunts and chitters of actual speaking are just painful to the ear to listen to. <laughs> yeah. And Moon is such a nice dude about everything. He's just like, hey, I kind of agree with you, pal. Hey, I fucking love math, too. You and me, we're cool. I'm sorry. His name's Slipper. His species is Moon. That was my bad. Um, He is a Moon. He's a Moon, uh, a Muon, but he is named Vesto Slipper. Yes. And he's just like, cool. What's this all about? And this is when she spills the stuff I was talking about earlier. This guy, this Dockeri Bleer, uh, invented a special algorithm that would be perfect if only someone had an impenetrable gladiatorial fight prison. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes the algorithm builds the market. Yeah, man. Like, apparently he was like, oh, I, uh, a few years ago, I managed to upgrade the pod racing course for Jabba. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and then he was like, oh, I had an idea about how I could, make every single gladiatory like contestant the best fight ever for some reason something i don't know <laughs> don't worry about it the al- it's an algorithm fine okay it's uh it's got lots of synergy it's the algorithm but if you watch the wrong kind of fights it'll start recommending a lot of nazi shit to you so <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like, yay, you watched three gladiatorial fights. Would you like to watch Southeast Asian finger family videos for an hour? <laughs> hey, you watched the wrong kinds of fights. Would you like to know why women in gaming are worse than the devil? This is your fault for watching Ben Quadaneros get into a gladiatorial fight, but here's a bunch of Zyklon Ben videos. <laughs> Ooh, and Ben Shapiro videos. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> I hadn't even considered the YouTube joke. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Anyway, we learned that this guy is some kind of weirdo, which is perfect. That's a great Joe Schreiber character, a weird dude who never talks. He's going to die in a crazy way. I just know it. Oh, no way. I want this dude to survive because, well, one, I've been pronouncing his name in my mind incorrectly because I want it to be Daiquiri. And oh, Daiquiri Blair. <laughs> I want a... How do you know you're pronouncing it incorrectly, though? I don't. It could be Daiquiri. It could be. For all I know, <laughs> his name could be Daiquiri, but I want a mute math wizard that made a fight algorithm named Daiquiri to survive this 100%. I think you're not wrong there. I think that'd be fine. And also, curse you forever for reminding me of how good frozen Daiquiris are and how I can't have one. Ha ha. You've got it's not even a good problems. place to get one in it's not even a good place to get one in San Diego. It's 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 a thing that we'd have to do Vegas for. Oh, or you know, make your own. Yeah, that's fair. I could do, why would I want to do that? Make your own daiquiri. If my goal is if my goal is to get fucked up on daiquiris, I want them to come quickly. Well, then have someone else make daiquiris or make a shitload of daiquiri and then just, you know, pour some into a cup as needed. That's true. If you make me a shitload of daiquiris, I promise I will make you come quickly. Okay, now, um, I 
I think that's pretty much all we see in this chapter as we learn about Secret Brother and his crazy super thing. Yeah, it's... Uh, we get a little bit at the end where, of course, Slifer has to be like, oh, but, you know, you your thing is super amazing, but you couldn't predict your new champion. And yeah, she's just like, oh, don't worry. Like, he's not going to be here long. Uh, yeah, she's, she's pretty hard, well aware of, of the way fights go and how you, I, I can't imagine there's any one champion in here that goes more than like 10 fights without dying. Oh yeah. I mean, I assume that the algorithm itself is like, well, we want good, cool fights. So we're not going to just completely try and outmatch everyone immediately, but eventually you're going to get to the point where you're like, I fought enough fights because I'm popular, that someone's going to get lucky to at least tag me to fuck me up for the next fight. Yeah, I'm still I'm still mind-boggled over the whole, like, we don't care if the prisoners kill each other in the middle of, of uh, the day thing, because ultimately, that's going to fucking suck. If so, if anyone develops a favorite champion, they're like, oh, I want to drop a ton of money on that one Klaatuinian I saw. What do you mean he got deboned halfway through lunch one day and he didn't do shit about it? Huh? I want to watch him fight again. Oh, he just died? Okay. I mean, the fact that the tr- they only put up two fights a day means... Yeah, which is, it's only two fights a day means only two prisoners die a day, and two others get royally fucked up a day. The churn here is immense. Oh, yeah. Like, I just can't imagine the amount of people they would have to be bringing in to make this work, which is why it has to be one of those no questions asked, drop your prisoners here type thing. Yeah. The other thing I keep wondering is if the the algorithm is ultra super perfect, then how does that that Artigan guy know for sure that his next fight's his last? Isn't it more likely that the uh, the algorithm will pair him up against some other janky beat up guy? I mean, maybe that, or they're just like, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a fight where, you know, we'll just let you You're not die. The title card. <laughs> you're the wrestler who's just going by his real name. Yeah. <laughs> you just show up and you're like. Hey, I'm I'm Jim Hankins, and I'm here to wrestle. What's your gimmick? I I'm a wrestler. <laughs> I'm Jim Hankins. <laughs> my my gimmick is old Jim Hankins likes to get paid. Yeah. And who am I fighting today? The Death Dealer. Oh, jeez. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, it looks like, like maybe alternative. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I like my odds. Ooh, yeah, I'm Jim bring Hankins, it on. and I'm wearing. A- and I'm wearing a blue Speedo. Hey, Jim Hankins here. I've got a, a wrestling onesie. <laughs> What's your intro music? Uh, it's just me saying Jim Hankins. I, I couldn't here afford I anything wrestle. else. What about the free music archive? Could not afford it. <laughs> so it's just an acapella bit that he does himself. Jim Hankins. He's coming Jim, down. Jim, Jim. Jim Hankins going to the ring, doing his own backup music. It's me, Jim Hankins again. Jim Hankins, Jim Hankins, we all love Jim Hankins. He's gonna win, probably not Jim Hankins. <laughs> yeah, I just I would love the if they were like, all right, Art again, you have to fight again, and because of the algorithm, we've paired you against Glass Joe. <laughs> and. You know, it'd be fair. It'd be just keep the fights fair and worth betting on. Anyway, um, now I think it's time for us to jump to the what is it the the next mall chapter? Is that yep. right? 
last chapter that we're doing, yeah, and it's Maul mm-hmm. finding his way to that actual passage, the yeah. eleven now, AZR. I, now, I don't know if he set a time where the uh, the two gangs are supposed to meet here in Rumble. I uh, mean, but he gets there before that time. It it's weird because this whole thing plays out in the exact way it would need to in order for this to work because he's like, Oh, I'm going to get there before them. And then the person who is going to show up because obviously Zero's not going to actually come out and meet me. It's going to be some representative. So I have to be able to threaten the person who shows up, but threaten them with death by gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, he, he definitely has a lot of sense of timing, that's for sure. Yeah. But, so he gets, he gets there first, and he's like, all right, Zero, where are you? Come on out, I don't have a lot of time. And instead <laughs> Where's of my fucking money, Zero? Zero? You goddamn nerd. <laughs> goddamn nerd. I really wish that was a real panel. <laughs> so do I. Uh, I, I mean, at least the, uh, the Luke Cage one is real. The, the, where's my money, honey, that is a real panel. Oh, yeah. Luke Cage and Doctor Doom, for real. Yeah, uh, Moon Knight and Dracula. I mean, yes, they technically meet and fight. He doesn't call him a goddamn nerd, which is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Marvel, Please. you have a chance to fix this. You've got you've got a TV show coming up. You can do this. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but they've already cast Oscar Isaac in the lead for Moon Knight, and and uh, Ethan Hawke has been cast as the villain. And if and <laughs> if much- Oscar Isaac doesn't <laughs> call Ethan Hawke a big goddamn nerd, I will be so sad. You know, I don't really care which of these the pointless Moon Knight villains he fights. There's only like three. Uh, the big ones being Bushman and some other guy whose name, oh, uh, the Black Spectre. Mm. And I, I doubt he's either one of the, or he's probably Bushman, to be honest, even though Bushman is kind of a shitty villain. Ah. But if he was fucking Dracula, Ethan Hawke as the MCU Dracula. Oh, I would love it. That would redeem a lot of things for me. I would be willing to forgive you, Iron Man 2, if Ethan Hawke was Dracula. Let's talk, Marvel. I I mean, that helps you reintroduce Blade to the MCU. (laughs) Yeah, provided you don't kill him during the episode, or maybe Blade's in Moon Knight. Who knows? Or, I mean... That'd be fucking rad. Even if you kill Dracula, at least you've established vampires exist in the MCU. I mean, you might as well. They, they announced Blade like two years ago now, right? And the movie's scheduled for like 2024. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Mahershala Ali is not going to look... Ex- just start using him. What are you casting so far in advance for? It was a really good casting. Make the movie. Uh... Okay. Anyway, uh, so what I meant to get to instead is when he's like, come out here, Zero, who, by the way, as we mentioned, is an information broker of, of super importance on the first episode. Uh, he's supposed to meet him here, but instead of zero coming out, a big fucking bird comes out. Well, yeah, but you know, he manages to be like, fuck out of here, you dumbass bird, which I assume is probably zero's bird or some shit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, zero's just vicious from cowboy bebop. He's got a big fucking bird. That's always with him for some reason, but instead of, uh, you know, zero showing up or the bird doing anything, we get a guard and we learn that, you know, they're not stupid. He's like, yeah, you show up randomly, beat the champ, and then immediately want to know where Zero is. You're clearly not in this prison on accident. You are an assassin. Zero isn't that fucking stupid. Yeah, no, he knows 
Zero knows the score, and this guard's like, what do you want? Obviously, you want to assassinate Zero, so uh, what the fuck is going on? He's like, I don't want to assassinate Zero. You set up a fucking meeting. He's very Darth Maul, because, you know, he doesn't even, he doesn't deny anything. He's just like, I want a fucking meeting. Oh, yeah, he's like, I don't want to kill the guy. I want to meet him. Yeah, and the guy's like, no, you, you would need to give us all kinds of good reasons. No, I won't. I want to meet him. Yeah. Uh, and that's when they start hearing the rumble approaching from both directions. Yeah, they're sitting there talking, and then in the background. <laughs> hey, what was that? <laughs> I wish my West Side Story uh, memorization was up to speed so I could play this game with you. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the left, but when I... you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> I don't think Gravity Massive is going to fit in that rhyme scheme. <laughs> ah. But, uh, yeah, what happens is the two gangs start approaching to hold a rumble, not just in the, in the in this conduit or whatever, but literally they will impact each other at the exact spot where this guard and mall are standing. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it is important to note that Maul decided to wait for this guard that he heard coming by doing the, I, like, go up onto the ceiling and spread myself out Spider-Man style and hide in the shadows of a corner somewhere. So he's, mm -hmm. like, up on the ceiling. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to get hit by this oncoming rush of gang members. You, however, are down there. You're definitely going to get murdered incidentally as these two gangs fight with each other. And in fact, when the two meet... He does indeed get the absolute shit trampled out of him. Yeah, his arm gets broken immediately. He's just knocked to the ground and broken. And I don't even think they note necessarily that there's a guard in there. It's just incidental rumble damage. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, someone was there. We didn't give a shit. We walked over him and kept going. Incidentally, I'm definitely putting incidental rumble damage in my next role-playing game. <laughs> You know, I, I, I have <laughs> this new console from Nintendo. It's got incidental rumble. <laughs> it's so powerful, it can damage you. The new PS5 controller causes rumble damage. Oh, you have to get the periphery incidental rumble pack. <laughs> but uh, once Maul is convinced that the two gang armies are completely distracted with murdering each other, he reaches down into the morass and pulls up the guard and yanks him into a crawl space. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, hey, my dude, so now that you're all fucked up and uh, if I wanted to, I could just drop you back down there and you would die. How about that or, meeting? Or instead, you could set up the meet. And the guy, you know, still trying to be all, like, defensive. He's like, you fucking idiot. I've got your code number right here, old prisoner 11240. I'll murder you in a second. It'll blow up both your hearts. And he's just like, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, where's the meat? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Anyway, where the fuck is Zero? And the guard's like, I literally do not know. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea where Zero is. But he knows where his cell is? Yeah, that's good information for us as readers. Now we know that Zero isn't just some weirdo who has moved into a prison, but is also a prisoner who has managed to escape, sort of. Yeah, he's on. He's supposed to have his cell on level 8, cell 22, and that's about it. Like, that's what mm -hmm. we get. 
Yeah, and and uh, Maul's like, good enough. Okay, I'm going to let you go now because don't fuck with me. And the moment he lets the guard go, the guard's like, ha, idiot, I'm going to murder you with my code box. Yeah, inmate 11240, let's see how you like this, beep. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit, it doesn't do anything. And, and that's when the chapter ends. You have to assume that Darth Maul punishes him dramatically for trying to murder him with a code box. I mean, I assume he just drops him back down into the fucking yeah, fight. Let's the fight kill him off. But then we scale back out and it's we're on watching the whole thing play out on camera feeds. And here's oh, but that's uh, Sadiq past Blair. where we would be. Oh, that is. Yeah. Oh, that was. The oh, did I read ahead? Yeah. Oh, shit. I must have accidentally read ahead. These are such short chapters. Anyway, no. look forward in the future to when it'll zoom out. Nothing happens. He doesn't get killed yet. Oh, yeah. The I end. assume that Maul just, like, immediately after getting those fucking implants went, and the Force says no? <laughs> You'd think he could, right? Like, he just used the Force. Like, he saw them go in and everything. They tell him that they're, like, nano-sized and completely indetectable or whatever, but he felt them go in. He could just reach in there and crunch each one of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I assume he's like, oh, I just meditate in the force and find the two things that are not supposed to be there and then get rid of them. Meh. Yeah. Now, he's he's obviously he's a he's an evil Sith, so he probably can't just heal himself. He probably has to, like, crunch them inside of himself or do something like shoot lightning in there or whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, he's fine. But yeah, he's probably uh, he's probably fine. Chances are those bombs don't ever actually matter. Oh, and uh, that's the end of the chapters. That's where we leave off. Yes, indeed. I, I, I you know, where I, I gotta be honest, where I read this book, my, I was, I was driving my daughter around for her nap today, and uh, I parked on on an island, sort of island here in San Diego, called Fiesta Island. That's like this dirty part party island. Um, and there were dolphins, which I've never seen in that bay before. But there was a whole pot of dolphins in there, just goofing around. So I was very distracted. Oh, nature is healing. We're the virus. <laughs> I mean, normally dolphins come don't come that far into Mission Bay because there's usually a fucking porta potty floating in it somewhere. It's just ass and silt. It's the worst bay, and also that part of the bay is like five bays deep from the ocean. <laughs> to get to where I saw the dolphins, you have to go through like a bay, and then a bay, and then a bay, and then a bay, and then an outlet, and then a bay, and then an outlet, and then the ocean. Good. So it was crazy to see them. So I was very distracted, but I, you know, I must have accidentally read an extra page. That's fine. It's all fine. The end. Everything's fine. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we leave for the day, uh, let's just mention the Patreon. How about that? Hell yeah. Over at patreon.com slash system mastery. Yeah, go on down there and support us at what is currently the $2 level. I'm not going to change the price. That's just because we're moving to monthly, uh, where you will get the Star Wars bonus content. When we go to Wikipedia, we find fun Star Wars stories, and we tell them to each other. And hey, could be also to you for the low, low cost of $2. Hell yeah. Get it. There's a lot of them. We've done it like we've done like over 100 of those. So goddamn so many. So there's so goddamn many. They're a great deal. You can go and find them right there. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. There are other levels you can support us at that'll unlock even more stuff. There are so many bonus podcasts. Too many. Just too many podcasts. Ah. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Otherwise, John, you got anything else you want to say? Oh, I just want to say how much I, uh, I don't know, love you all. You're so sexy. <laughs> thank you. Not me, of course, just the audience. No, the audience is so sexy. Ooh, they're so yeah. muscly. 
John says you're muscly. You heard it here first. <laughs> and if you actually are muscly right now, you're like, yeah, duh. Duh. Uh, obviously. Thanks for <laughs> noticing. <laughs> thanks for noticing my traps and uh, delts. Lats. Delts and smelts and gloits. My flavings. I got to tell you, you got some sweet gloits there, listeners. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I've been Elan Sleesbogiano. And I love daiquiris.